We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 504 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Thursday February 9th 2023 it had been a while a long while since we had had a big commander's news day and then came Wednesday and what came was quite a bit of commander's news commander's head coach Rod Rivera he on Wednesday afternoon spoke to the media uh, for the first time since his and General Manager Martin Mayhew's joint season-ending press conference all the way back on January 10th. And Ron on Wednesday afternoon publicly acknowledged for the first time that Sam Howell is positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. But that was not all from Ron. He also confirmed and talked about his interest in hiring Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy as commander's offensive coordinator. And by the way, Ron said that he hasn't yet decided whether he'll exercise the fifth-year option in edge defender Chase Young's rookie contract. Uh, That was interesting. Uh, Ron said that not exercising that fifth-year option could serve as motivation for Chase. Uh, We on Tuesday evening learned that the cost of that option for Chase will be $17.452 million. On Wednesday's show, episode 503, talked about whether the commanders will and should exercise that option. If Chase gets back to being a healthy and very good edge defender, then actually the $17.452 million isn't so bad, especially with the salary cap continuing to rise by at least $10 million each season. But the fact that Ron brought up motivating Chase, that stood out. I mean, that harkened back to the 2021 season, uh, during which Ron and Chase were not exactly on the same page. There was a lot from Ron, but that wasn't all. Uh, We on Wednesday afternoon had a prominent national business insider reporting on the sale of the commanders happening soon, as in the next few weeks. Uh, We had ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter tweeting about the commanders targeting Eric Bieniemy. Heck, we on Wednesday afternoon even had the announcement of an award 
for Ron Rivera. Ron was named the winner of the NFL's Salute to Service Award for all of his work with the military. There was a lot happening on Wednesday, and so there be a lot happening on this show. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi Podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode each weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out oh so early each weekday morning. You never have to guess. You never have to wonder. You never have to ponder when the next episode of this podcast is coming out. Next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of Rod Rivera publicly confirming that Sam Howell is positioned, not cemented as, but positioned to be the commander starting quarterback for next season. My, oh my, how things have changed with Ron Rivera's outlook on Sam Howell, who, remember, supposedly wasn't ready to even be the commander starting quarterback for his NFL regular season debut, what ended up being his very nice start in the season-ending 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on January 8th. Uh, our next segment also will get into the commanders targeting Eric Bieniemy to be their offensive coordinator, including why Bieniemy coming to the commanders might make more sense for him than you think. I then will address the latest in the sale of the commanders. We on Wednesday afternoon had yet another sign that the sale is happening, and according to this sign, the sale be happening soon. Uh, also on the show, we have arrived at NBA Trade Deadline Day. Yes, happy NBA Trade Deadline Day. What, oh, what awaits us with the Wizards? Uh, they did win on Wednesday night, a 118-104 win over the lowly Charlotte Hornets at Capital One Arena. I'll also talk some college basketball. Both Georgetown and Virginia Tech lost on Wednesday night. The Hoyas fell to 1-13 and in the Big East, a 74-62 loss at number 20 Providence. And for the Hokies, a very disappointing 82-76 loss to Boston College at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jack L on the issue of the name Redskins. Uh, that issue has come up on the podcast a few times lately, including on last Thursday's show, episode 499, which came out on the one-year anniversary of the official announcement of the name Commanders. Rides Jack, when you said on last Thursday's podcast that we are just talking about a name, you really touched a nerve with me. Uh-oh. Uh, the name Redskins was not just a name. It was our identity. We had beating Tom Toms, a real fight song, Braves on the Warpath, Chief Z, my brother and I used to mimic the beating Tom Toms when the team was grabbing the momentum in a fourth quarter, and this team identity unified the fan base and at times even intimidated visiting teams. Now, our name slash identity is a joke. The fan base is indifferent and not united, and opponents laugh at our fans and team. A Commanders fan can get laughed at. Thank you, Major Tutty. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow, and from that day forward, it was mandated that you are to be known simply as Alfalfa or Ali. No offense meant to anyone with those names. Would your identity not be gone? The name Redskins was the team's identity, and that identity is gone. And given the joke that we have become, thank you, Dan, we have yet to take one real step to creating a new identity. Thank you for the good work that you do. I listen every pod day. Well, thank you very much for that email, Jack. And I hear you with what you're saying. But the context within which I, on last Thursday's show, said 
that with the whole Redskins issue, we are just talking about a name, was that for me, the changing of the name was never enough to not make me a fan. That as many questions as I had and still have about whether the name should have changed, the fact that it did change was never going to stop me from being a fan of the team. The name is important. I've never said that the name is not important. But to me, the name isn't the essence of fandom. And that's where I got into the things that to me are the essence of fandom, memories, excitement, and hope. In other words, things with your team that have happened, things with your team that are happening, and things with your team that you hope happen. Those things, to me, are what being a fan is about. Your experiences, past, present, and future with your team. You cannot like that the name changed You can despise the name Commanders and still be a big fan of the team. That exact scenario is the case for a lot of people. And that's what I was getting at with what I said on last Thursday's show. But, you know, it's so interesting to me reading Jack's email and continuing to hear from a lot of people about the name. You know, there was a belief of some, maybe even of many, in the summer of 2020 that dropping the name Redskins was being on the right side of history, right? You heard that phrase a lot in the summer of 2020, the right side of history. And that as time went on, dropping that name would look and feel better and better. And dropping that name would become the obvious right thing to have done. Well, here we are, two and a half years later, and I don't get the sense that most people who were against the name change or at least had questions about the name change feel like dropping the name was being on the right side of history. I get the sense that most of those people recognize that the name changed for reasons other than that necessarily being the right thing to do, i.e. because most Native Americans wanted the name to change and that the name of the team still should be Redskins. Uh, Some good stuff on this from Commander's Insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com on Wednesday's show, episode 503, drilling down deep on why exactly the name changed, and basically, the ultimate reason was the ownership turmoil. And of something else that I talked about with Michael, Kansas City Chiefs fans still doing the tomahawk chop, what they call the arrowhead chop in this NFL, in which the Redskins changed their name. Uh, We have this email from Kim, writes Kim, I will concede that the Redskins name was not great. It is a disparaging description. I, like many, never thought of it that way because it was my team for so long. It's who they are slash were. Conversely, I will cave on this. The Chiefs are celebrating Native American culture. Maybe that is why they get away with their name slash chop. Not sure. For me, it was nearly the last straw to have lost the name. But like you, you can knock me down, but I'm going to keep getting up. I love this team. And although I hate the behind the scenes culture and the name change, I will hang in there. Uh, Thank you for that email, Kim. You know, I will always defer to actual Native Americans on what is and isn't offensive uh, with things like Redskins and the Arrowhead Shop. It would seem to me that the Arrowhead Shop is offensive. And what especially bothers me about the Shop isn't, say, that Chiefs fans get to do it, but Commanders fans don't, okay? I mean, we as fans never did a Chop or anything like that. What especially bothers me with the chop isn't even necessarily that the chop is still a thing constantly shown on television, uh, but the Redskins name is God. No, what especially bothers me about the chop is the stone cold silence from so many in the media about the chop when for years those same people lambasted the Redskins for their name. I've always felt that the Redskins name issue is one on which reasonable people can disagree. 
But if you were against the Redskins name and were doing radio and television segments and were writing columns and were sending out tweets and were doing whatever else to harpoon the skins for their name and lecturing us all about the name, okay, fine. But where's that energy with the Chiefs, especially with the Arrowhead shop? That's my thing. If you were against the Redskins name, fine. But then why (laughs) the stone-cold silence on the Chiefs, especially with the chop, which gets shown on national television before seemingly every Chiefs home playoff game and home primetime game, and it feels like nobody says anything. It's that hypocrisy that I find impossible to ignore. If you are looking for ways to grow your business or practice, consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable and it works. Uh, email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Imagine if you would a 2023 NFL season in which Eric Bieniemy is the commander's offensive coordinator calling plays for a commander's team with Sam Howell as its starting quarterback. And the offense is thriving. The offense is innovative. The offense is progressive. The offense is featuring receivers Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson, and running backs Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson getting all kinds of touches in all kinds of ways. The commanders are scoring, you know, 25 plus points per game. Is such a world that (laughs) far-fetched? It feels like it is, right? It's such a world laughable right now. Maybe, maybe. But I tell you what, it was hard for me not to think of that world on Wednesday afternoon. More on Eric Bieniemy in a bit, but Commander's Head Coach Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon publicly acknowledged for the first time that Sam Howell is positioned to be the Commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. That thing that we first heard about weeks ago now, uh, that thing still is a thing. The Commander's 2022 season, of course, ended with that 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on January 8th. Sam Howell in that game made his NFL regular season debut. He, for that game, was the Commander's starting quarterback, despite, remember, Rod Rivera having initially not wanted to start Sam due to a fear of of Sam not being ready. Well, Sam was ready. He played well, especially considering that he faced a Cowboys defense that had a very good 2022 season, and especially considering that he played with a depleted supporting cast. Then just six days after that game, January 14th, we had multiple reports that Sam Howell was positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Uh, This was a jaw-dropper. Uh, The story was broken by NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. He, in a piece, wrote, quote, The Washington Commanders are in search of a new offensive coordinator in the days following the firing of Scott Turner. And according to sources, the Commanders are letting potential candidates know who their likely starting quarterback in 2023 will be. Sam Howell, who started and won the 17th game of the season for Washington, is expected to be QB1 when the commanders begin offseason work in the new league year. 
that would seemingly take the commanders both out of the running for a veteran in the trade market and using their number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft on a rookie, end quote. That reporting on January 14th had been the last that we had heard regarding Ron Rivera leaning towards Sam Howell being the commander's starting quarterback for next season until Wednesday. Ron on Wednesday spoke with a variety of reporters. Among his conversations was one on NFL Network, on which he had the following exchange with NFL Network host Andrew Siciliano. Ron, looking ahead, do you think your starting quarterback week one is on your roster right now? Well, I think he most certainly can be. I, I know this. We will go into OTA's minicamp and training camp uh, with Sam Howell more likely QB1, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's his opportunity. This is a challenge to him. You know, if he comes out and does the things that he's capable of, we believe he's capable of, he can most certainly be our guy. But we'll find out. And, again, that's what competition is going to do. It's going to bring out the best in all our guys. All right. There you go. Rod Rivera, quote, I know this. We will go into OTAs, minicamp, and training camp with Sam Howell, more than likely QB1, end quote. Before we go any further, can we take a moment to highlight (laughs) the remarkable 180 that Ron Rivera, that our guy, Don Ron, apparently has done with Sam Howell? We all know that Ron, during his time as Washington head coach, has changed his mind a time or two or 30. Uh, In no instance has he changed his mind as in this Sam Howell instance. Ron, in a period of a week, one week, went from not even wanting to start Sam in a meaningless Week 18 game due to the fear that Sam wasn't ready, to telling offensive coordinator candidates that Sam is positioned to be the team's starting quarterback for next season. I mean, how about that turnaround? How about that 180? And the turnaround, the 180 now has been even further amplified by what Ron said on Wednesday afternoon. That really is something. Uh, Now, Ron on NFL Network on Wednesday afternoon did use the word competition. So as I talked about when we first heard that Ron was positioning Sam Howell to be the team's starting quarterback for next season. Ron isn't just going to hand Sam the starting quarterback job for next season, nor should Ron do that. I mean, Sam Howell has not earned anything. He needs to earn that starting quarterback job. He needs to put in a lot of work this offseason. He needs to practice hard and practice well. He needs to have a good training camp and preseason, and then we'll see where we're at. But yeah, the commander's starting quarterback job for the 2023 season does appear to be Sam Howell's to lose. This development is a shocking turnaround, given where Ron Rivera had been. This development is a significant indictment of Ron's evaluation of Sam, who clearly should have made his NFL regular season debut sooner. But to me, this development also is a good thing. You know, Ron Rivera now publicly positioning Sam Howell to be the commander's QB1 for next season almost certainly means that the team will not be going the route of the retread quarterback. And while I would say that Washington's past failures with veteran quarterback acquisitions should not preclude future veteran quarterback acquisitions, like each situation is its own entity, I also would say that if our team is ever gonna finally fix 
its decades-long problem of not having a franchise quarterback. The way that the team is going to do that is with a quarterback who was obtained via an NFL draft. The veteran quarterback route can work, but it best-case scenario provides a short-term fix. And as we have seen with our team, with Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Carson Wentz, a lot can go wrong. A quarterback who was obtained via an NFL draft provides upside Uh, comes to you with minimal football mileage on his body, in theory is open-minded and not set in his ways, and is on a rookie contract. If Washington is ever going to climb out of the abyss that has been the team's quarterback situation for decades, a quarterback who was obtained via an NFL draft is going to be the man who leads that way. Is Sam Howell that man? Who knows? Sam Howell working out, of course, is far from a guarantee. That's why I very much want the commanders open to taking a quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft, including, yes, the first round, including, yes, trading up in the first round. But it's not crazy. It's not lunacy to think that Sam Howell could become a quality starting quarterback in the NFL, a league, oh, by the way, that is so wrong so often on quarterbacks. And I can't stand the dismissing of Sam by some based solely on him having been taken in the fifth round of an NFL draft. Yes, the commanders took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. And yes, it is true that the overwhelming majority of non-first round quarterbacks do not become quality starting quarterbacks. But it's also true that the NFL so often is so wrong on quarterbacks. And it's also true that Sam isn't like most non-first round quarterbacks. He should not just be lumped in with every other non-first round quarterback. Sam Howell in the 2021 offseason, it was viewed as the potential number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Very few, very few non-first-round quarterbacks have ever been viewed as potential number one overall picks. And when it comes to why Sam fell all the way to the fifth round of the 2022 draft, uh, yes, his final season at North Carolina, his 2021 junior season, was not the greatest. But Carolina lost multiple quality skill position players, including current commander's receiver De'Ami Brown from the 2020 season going into the 2021 season. And so, yes, some of Sam's stats dropped. His completion percentage went from 68.1 for the 2020 season to 62.5 for the 2021 season. His yards per pass attempt went from 10.3 for the 2020 season to 8.81 for the 2021 season. Uh, However, Sam, in some of the more telling quarterback metrics, actually wasn't that different in his 2021 junior season as compared to how he was in his 2020 sophomore season. Uh, Sam's total QBR for ESPN for the 2020 season was 79.3. His total QBR for the 2021 season was 76.1. Sam's overall grade for Pro Football Focus for the 2020 season was 92.3. His overall grade for PFF for the 2021 season was 91.1. Additionally, Sam in that 2021 season proved himself to be a major run threat, something uh, that we, of course, saw in that win over the Cowboys 
in Week 18. But Sam, in his 2021 season, totaled 828 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. And per PFF, forced 63 broken tackles. My point is this. It's not like Sam Howell's final season at Carolina was some trash season. And so him falling all the way to the fifth round in the 2022 draft felt overly harsh, overly punitive. You know, things got weird with the quarterbacks in the 2022 draft, that just one quarterback was taken over the first 73 picks of the draft really was something. I mean, even with the quarterback class being viewed as not being very good, Sam Howell was the number 34 player on PFF's big board for the 2022 draft. And yet the commanders got him with the 144th pick in that draft. When you factor in the positional value of quarterback, there's no way that Sam Howell was the 144th best player in the 2022 draft. Uh, Is it possible that Ron Rivera, that Don Ron, that change his mind Ron, uh, will do another 180 and decide to stop positioning Sam Howell as the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season? Absolutely. With Ron, you just don't know, okay? I mean, this guy changes his mind like you and I change channels when watching TV. Uh, Additionally, I do expect activity by the commanders at the quarterback position this offseason. Like I said, I want them open to drafting a quarterback, including in the first round. What I think is the more likely scenario is that they'll sign a veteran quarterback, uh, a Jacoby Brissett and Andy Dalton, someone like that. Uh, It does not feel like the commanders will be re-signing Taylor Heineke, who's said to be an unrestricted free agent. I'd love to see Taylor re-sign, but I don't have a great feeling about that. Uh, I actually could see Taylor signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Now that Scott Turner is their pass game coordinator. Uh, Keep this in mind, the Raiders have the number seven pick in the 2023 draft, so they could take a quarterback at seven. And then if Taylor as the veteran placeholder or just veteran QB2. And then, of course, with Carson Wentz with Commander Carson. Uh, Everyone on the planet expects the commanders to release him. But yeah, for now, Sam Howell is positioned, not guaranteed, but positioned to be the commander's starting quarterback for the 2023 season. Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon admitted this publicly for the first time. Quite the turn of events. Uh, and then with the commanders potentially hiring Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy to be the commanders offensive coordinator, uh, said Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon to reporters about Bieniemy, quote, from what you're hearing on the grapevine, he's looking for an opportunity to work with a defensive coach. So I want to see about that opportunity, end quote. Very interesting. Uh, Also, we have this tweet from ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter on Wednesday afternoon. Quote, Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy remains a prime candidate for the offensive coordinator jobs with the Washington Commanders and Baltimore Ravens, per sources. End quote. So the commanders potentially landing Bieniemy has been Schefterized, uh, has been formally acknowledged as a possibility by Adam Schefter. The commanders are waiting on the Chiefs season to end in order to interview Bienemy or at least attempt to interview Bienemy for the commander's offensive coordinator vacancy. That has been clear for a while. Ron Rivera actually admitted this on Wednesday afternoon. I do believe that Eric Bienemy is the team's number one offensive coordinator target, and that's why 
this search has lasted for so long. I mean, this episode of the podcast is for Thursday, February 9th. It was on January 10th that the commanders fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner. We are a day away from the one-month anniversary of Scott being fired. He already has a new job, but the commanders still have not found his replacement. I believe that that's because they've been waiting on the enemy. We know that the enemy interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts head coaching job, but if he doesn't get that job, then what? Eric Bieniemy wants to become an NFL head coach. If he this offseason once again does not get an NFL head coaching job, you got to think that he's going to feel like he's got to shake things up, that he's got to be open to leaving the Chiefs in order to get an offensive coordinator job at which he calls plays, and that he's going to feel like doing well as a play caller and doing well outside of the shadows of head coach Andy Reid and quarterback Patrick Mahomes can act as a springboard to a head coaching job. If Eric Bieniemy's next offensive coordinator job does come down to the Commanders or the Ravens, uh, yes, <laughs> I know the Ravens' recent history is a wee bit better than Washington's. And yes, I know the Ravens have quarterback Lamar Jackson. At least we think, right? I mean, he technically is set to be an unrestricted free agent. And the commanders have quarterback uncertainty. But Eric Bieniemy leaving the Chiefs for another offensive coordinator job wouldn't be about getting a great OC job. He already has that with the Chiefs. Bieniemy leaving the Chiefs for another offensive coordinator job would be about getting an OC job that can act as a springboard to an NFL head coaching job that, in essence, could be a stepping stone job. Uh, Well, the commanders can be that stepping stone. The offensive bar with the commanders is low, very low. If Eric Bieniemy became offensive coordinator for the commanders, called plays, developed Sam Howell, and guided the offense to being just a middle-of-the-pack offense, that right there would be impressive because that right there would mark significant improvement. With the Ravens, the bar would be a lot higher. With the commanders, not so much. And the commander's core of receivers just blow away the Ravens' core of receivers. I don't think that it's bonkers to believe that if Eric Bieniemy's next offensive coordinator job comes down to the commanders or the Ravens, and if the money is more or less the same, that the commanders might actually make more sense for Bieniemy in terms of him parlaying the job into an NFL head coaching job. Heck, maybe the job of head coach of the commanders. Who knows? And so, yeah. That fantasy of a 2023 NFL season in which Eric Bieniemy is the commander's offensive coordinator calling plays for a commander's team with Sam Howell as its starting quarterback and the offense is thriving. Uh, Maybe (laughs) that fantasy isn't so ridiculous after all. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Well, our last segment talked about a commander's fantasy involving Eric Bieniemy as commander's offensive coordinator and Sam Howell as commander's QB1. Ain't no commander's fantasy greater than the fantasy of Dan Snyder selling the commanders. And we now have even more reason to believe that that fantasy is going to become a reality. Fox Business Network senior correspondent Charles Gasparino, he on Wednesday afternoon tweeted the following, quote, scoop. NFL sources say sale of commanders will take place weeks after Super Bowl and owners meeting in March. Despite denials, most people in NFL circles think Jeff Bezos will bid after initial bids are in. Given his wealth, he's most capable to make numbers work for a purchase. End quote. Uh, Gasparino, in one of the responses to his tweet, was asked what exactly he meant by, quote, will take place weeks after Super Bowl and owners meeting in March, end quote. He wrote, quote, between, end quote. So presumably he's saying that the sale of the commanders will take place between this Sunday evening Super Bowl 57 and the NFL's annual league meeting, which will take place from March 26th through the 29th. Now, the timeline involving the NFL's annual league meeting isn't new, but this is yet another report Another log on the fire, another brick in the wall, providing reason to believe that, yeah, Dan Snyder, a.k.a. The Danny, a.k.a. Danny Boy, is selling the commanders. This is happening, and sooner rather than later. It was on November 2nd that the commanders put out that statement confirming a report from Forbes earlier that morning that the team's co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder, were exploring a sale of the team. Ever since that day, just about everything that has come out has provided further reason to believe that a sale is happening. As out of nowhere, as that news on November 2nd was, basically everything since then has given you further reason to believe that the sale is happening. And, you know, it was notable what Charles Gasparino had on Amazon founder Jeff Bezos that, quote, most people in NFL circles think Jeff Bezos will bid after initial bids are in. Given his wealth, he's most capable to make numbers work for a purchase. And quote. Yeah, that does make sense. Uh, the reporting has been that Bezos did not submit a bid for the commanders in the first round of bidding on the team, but this may well have been strategic more than anything. I mean, 
you know, you think about this logically, all right? So the belief is that Jeff Bezos wants to own an NFL team. You know, we on this podcast were told by business journalist Josh Kosman of the New York Post that Bezos would be interested in buying the Commanders or Seattle Seahawks. So this was on episode 492. And so if you are Jeff Bezos, who as of Wednesday evening was worth $123.2 billion per Forbes, and you can outbid everyone else interested in buying the Commanders, why bid against yourself? Why not let the market develop, see what it's going to take to get the team, and then start bidding? And that's what I think Charles Gasparino was getting at in his tweet. Along these lines, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, he on Wednesday afternoon delivered his annual Super Bowl week state of the NFL address. He took questions. Uh, Here was an exchange with NFL insider Mark Maskey of the Washington Post. Roger, straight ahead. Uh, What are your expectations at this point on the potential sale of the commanders? And also, when do you anticipate that Mary Jo White will complete her investigation and deliver a report to you? I'll take those in reverse orders. Uh, Mary Jo White, as I've said many times to you, that, that's, uh, there's no timeline given to Mary Jo White. She is um, authorized to work independently. Um, there is no timeline for her to come to any conclusions when she does that. Uh, she will let me know and we will let the public know at that point in time. As far as the process, um, the commanders are under a process. Um, that's a, their process. Ultimately, if they reach a conclusion and have someone that will be joining the ownership group um, or buying the team uh, entirely, that's something that the ownership uh, will look at. All right. So (laughs) that clearly was a non-answer answer from Roger Goodell. By the way, the Mary Jo White investigation. Yeah, remember that? I mean, how out of sight, out of mind does that feel right now? We are hearing nothing about the Mary Jo White investigation. What I actually think is going to happen is that the NFL is going to have the sale of the commanders be completed and then put out the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation because people will care even less about it at that point. But you may have noticed that uh, the Roger in that answer did reference Dan Snyder potentially only selling a minority share of the commanders. And I know that that has been a concern, a fear. Uh, Well, remember this, sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports, he on January 17th reported that those who did submit bids for the first round of bidding for the commanders were told that Dan Snyder planned to sell enough of the team to clear the way for a new controlling owner. Could that have been a lie? A swerve? A ruse? A con? Uh, yes. But personally, I take that as another sign of, yeah, Dan Snyder is actually, truly getting out. And we, at this point, have quite a collection of these signs. Well, here we are, NBA trade deadline day. The NBA trade deadline is on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, What the Wizards are going to do is anyone's guess. Uh, Their final game before the deadline was a win. Uh, The Wizards improved to 25-29 and with a 118-104 win over the Charlotte Hornets at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. The Wiz snapped their three-game losing streak. So the Wizards are 25-29 and and are one percentage point behind the Toronto Raptors for 10th 
in the Eastern Conference. Seeds 7 through 10 in each conference participate in each conference's play-in tournament for the playoffs. The Wizards are crazy if they are buyers at this NBA trade deadline for the purpose of trying to make the play-in tournament, okay? Please. The Wizards need to be seriously considering blowing this entire thing up. I would be stunned if they actually pulled the trigger on that, but they absolutely need to, at the very least, be seriously considering doing that. Uh, The Wizards on Wednesday night were without two key players, uh, Kyle Kuzma, did not play for a second consecutive game due to a spread left ankle that he suffered in the Wizards' 125-123 loss at the Brooklyn Nets this past Saturday evening. And Monte Morris did not play due to back tightness. Uh, the Hornets were without former Wizard Kelly Oubre Jr. due to left hand surgery. And look, the Hornets are terrible. The Hornets with this loss fell to 15-41, second worst record in the Eastern Conference. So the Wizards on Wednesday night should have won by a good bit. Uh, and to their credit, they did. Uh, Bradley Beal was back. He returned from a two-game absence caused by left foot soreness. Uh, he played for 32 minutes, 33 seconds as a starter. He went just one of five on threes and did commit three turnovers. But he also went six of 10 on twos and two of two on free throws and finished with 17 points, 10 assists, four rebounds, three blocks, and a game-best time plus-minus rating of plus 12. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night on Bradley Beal. Uh, I thought he looked okay. He was good. I mean, I, honestly, defensively, I thought he was excellent. He made huge plays that kind of stemmed the tide in our favor. Um, um, he was a low man in a pick-and-roll situation, um, you know, Plumley got the catch, but he made a, a terrific, you know, strip at the around the basket. You know, obviously later in the in the fourth, got the charge. So um, those type plays are they're back breaking, you know, for the offense. Yes, they are. Uh, the Wizards on Wednesday night did overcome a nine-point second quarter deficit, led by at least 12 points for the entire fourth quarter. Uh, had a very good game, both in terms of shooting threes and defending threes. So the Wizards went 15 of 37 on threes and held the Hornets to just nine of 31 on threes. And the Wizards out-rebounded the Hornets 52-40. Uh, and two guys who fueled the Wizards' good three-point shooting and good rebounding were Chris Damps Porzingis and Denny Avdia. Uh, Chris Damps Porzingis on Wednesday night, 35 minutes, three seconds as a starter. He went eight of 14 on threes. Yes, eight of 14 on threes. Five of eight on twos and two of three on free throws. He finished with 36 points, nine rebounds, two assists versus one turnover, two blocks, and a game-best tying plus-minus rating of plus 12. I tell you, Porzingis has been really good lately. Uh, Denny Avdia on Wednesday night, 36 minutes, 39 seconds as a starter. He went three of five on threes, five of eight on twos, and one of one on free throws. He finished with 20 points and 13 rebounds. I also want to make mention of DeLon Wright. He played for 30 minutes, four seconds as a starter. He did not shoot well. He went 0 of 2 on threes, 1 of 4 on twos. He finished with just two points, but he also had 10 assists versus one turnover and six rebounds. So we have the NBA trade deadline on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. We will see what our Wizards do, and we have the Wizards next game on Saturday night, home to the Indiana Pacers at 7.
Let's talk college basketball. Losses for both Georgetown and Virginia Tech on Wednesday night. Georgetown fell to 6-19 and overall and 1-13 and in the Big East with a 74-62 loss at number 20 Providence. You know, it's easy to become numb to what the Hoyas have become, but just take a step back for a moment. The Hoyas are 6-19 and overall and 1-13 and in the Big East. Uh, the Hoyas... On Wednesday night, trailed for the entire second half, had a woeful game from the field, uh, went just 3 of 15 on threes and just 19 of 40 on twos. Uh, the Duquesne transfer, Primo Spears, he in 39 minutes as a starter, 1 of 3 on threes, just 5 of 13 on twos. He also went 5 of 6 on free throws. He did finish with 18 points and 7 assists versus 3 turnovers. Uh, LSU transfer, Brandon Murray, 38 minutes as a starter, just a 3 of 10 on twos. He also went 2 of 4 on threes and 4 of 5 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, seven rebounds, and four assists versus two turnovers. The biggest bright spot for the Hoyas was another LSU transfer, Bradley Isawero. Uh, He actually was really good on Wednesday night, just 22 minutes off the bench, 19 points, three blocks, and three rebounds. He went eight to nine from the field, all twos, and three of three on free throws. But the Hoyas, uh, they are not good. Again, one and 13 in the Big East. Next up for Georgetown, home to number 10 Marquette, Saturday at noon. Uh, meantime, disappointing loss for Virginia Tech on Wednesday night. The Hokies fell to 14-10 overall and just 4-9 in the ACC. An 82-76 loss to Boston College at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. BC really isn't that good. I mean, the Eagles with this win improved to just a 12-13 overall and 6-8 in the ACC. And yet Tech lost at home to BC. Now, I guess you could say, hey, the Hokies aren't that good. Although, as we have discussed, the Hokies have played pretty well even in some of the team's losses this season. But Wednesday night was a real disappointment for Virginia Tech. The Hokies trailed by double-digit points for most of the second half. Uh, They allowed BC to go 12 of 24 on threes. The Hokies went just to 10 of 32 on threes. And Tech got out-rebounded 40-30. The Hokies lost despite committing just five turnovers. BC had 11, but when you're bad on threes and the opposing team is very good on threes, it's hard to win. Uh, Tech did get a big game from the Wright State graduate student transfer, Grant Vasili. He, in 31 minutes as a starter, scored 33 points. He went 4 of 10 on threes, 8 of 11 on twos. It did go just 5 of 8 on free throws. Yeah, the Hokies went just 14 of 21 on free throws. But Vasili finished with the 33 points, also four assists versus no turnovers, three rebounds, including two offensive boards and two blocks. Uh, Justin Mutz, he in 35 minutes as a starter, 0 of 1 on threes, 5 of 11 on twos, 6 and 9 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, six rebounds, including two offensive boards and four assists versus no turnovers, but a tough game for Hunter Couture. 38 minutes as a starter, just eight points. He went just to two of nine on threes, 0 of one on twos, also committed three turnovers. He did go two of two on free throws and did have four rebounds and three assists. Next up for Virginia Tech at Notre Dame, Saturday afternoon at two. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. 
Friday show, episode 505, will provide you with more on the Commanders. Also, I'll react to whatever the Wizards do or do not do on NBA trade deadline day. The NBA trade deadline is on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And a welcome on Capitals insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic to talk camps as they prepare for the post-All-Star break and post-bye week portion of their season. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. I know this. We will go into OTA's minicamp and training camp uh, with Sam Howell more likely QB1, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's his opportunity. This is a challenge to him. You know, if he comes out and does the things that he's capable of, we believe he's capable of, he can most certainly be our guy. But we'll find out. And, again, that's what competition is going to do. It's going to bring out the best in all our guys. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.